Good morning. Good to see you all this morning. If you would be opening up to Exodus, I'm going to be in Exodus chapter 3. We're going to look at chapters 3 and 4. I know it's a lot. Um, might be a bit overzealous on my part, but hey, you know, what else are you going to do today, right? So just hang out. We'll, we'll get through it. But uh, Exodus 3 and 4, uh, as we continue walking through this, this uh, series of sermons that we, we've called uh, Human Just Like Us, where we, we look at some of these Old Testament heroes of ours and, and see that they are. They're just human like us. They got their feelings hurt like us. They got tired like us. They made mistakes just like us. And so this morning, we're going to look at a guy named Moses. You guys probably have heard of Moses before. I remember watching the Ten Commandments when I was a kid, you know, watching Charlton Heston. I feel like maybe that's what Moses was like. I don't know if it was or not, but that's, that's the picture I have. And I'm, I'm sure you have a picture some of Moses where he's, he's just a man's man, right? I mean, he's a, he's a guy who parted the Red Sea. He's a guy who killed a guy with his bare hands. Like, he, he's a man's man. But at the end of the day, he's a man. He's human, just like us. And so let's, let's look at verse 1 of chapter 3. And we'll, we'll start here and we'll, we'll talk about this guy named Moses. Now, now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said... I will turn aside to see this great sight, while the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Father, I pray again, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit this morning, God, that you would help us to hear from you, help me to, to preach your word. God, I pray that you would be honored, God, that you would be glorified, and that we would be changed by being in your presence. God, we need your help in this place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Moses, I would say, as we're going to see as we look at this, he was in over his head. I don't know if y'all have ever been in over your head, but I was reminded of what that looks like yesterday. I took the kids to the pool uh, for my wife because that's just, you know, what I do. I, I'm just a servant. What can I say? Now, she asked while she was working that we would get out from underneath her feet because she'd been working all day. Anyway, so we, we go to the pool, and uh, they, the kids... For them swimming, what that means is, is for them to jump on me, to jump off of me, to splash me. Like, that's their idea. So we, we have a game where we splash each other. Well, Josiah now has a set of goggles and a snorkel. Guess what? That's no fair. I used to be able to wear him out on splash game. I don't have a goggles. I don't have snorkel. My whole face is covered in water. I cannot breathe. This little dude is drowning me. And there's nothing I can do. I can splash him as hard as I want. He can breathe, right? He's got a snorkel. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm done with this. I'm swimming. So I swam away from them. And I, I am still a little faster than they are. So I swam away from them to the other end of the pool. Well, when I'm coming back, I noticed they were trying to catch me. And so we were about halfway. And I was like, oh, they're, they're going to try and jump on me. So I did a little move. You know, I juked them out a little bit. And you can just imagine how quick I am in the water. But, but, uh, but uh, anyway, I got past them. And I got just a little bit. And I heard, help, help, dad, help. 
And I turned around to realize that my kids had followed me past the line they were supposed to go and that they were in the deep end. They were in over their head and they were tired and they were trying to touch. And as their little heads, you know, began to go under, uh, you know, I was like, oh man, they can't touch. So I had to go back and, and rescue them. And I, I don't think I shared that with my wife yesterday, but, but, and I, was, I say that out loud, but, but, but it was fun. Like they had the rope to hang on to. It was good times. But, but I, I just thought, how often do we get that way in life? We're following the Lord. We're trying to do what we're supposed to do. We're putting one foot in front of the other. And all of a sudden we go to touch. We go to put our foot down to catch our breath. And we're in over our head. We're in the deep end. We're in a place where we don't feel like we can make it. And just like the, the kids were. And just like Moses found himself when we, by the time we get to the end of Exodus chapter 3, we see him being in over his head. Um, so just to back up just a little bit to give you a little bit of context, Moses, remember, is, is a guy who eventually is going to pull the people of Israel out of Egypt. God's going to use him to deliver the people of Israel from this evil king. Like that's what Moses is going to be used for. God's going to use him to part the Red Sea and do all kinds of amazing things. But before uh, that happened, he was first, he was actually part of Egyptian royalty in a lot of ways. He was adopted into the Egyptian royalty. He was in a tough situation uh, during a tough time in Israel's life. Israel had become basically slaves of the Egyptians. The Egyptians had lost trust in, in the Israelites, and so they began to hurt them and persecute them, try and keep their numbers small. And so they began to kill uh, their, their boys. They began to kill their baby boys to try and keep the population small, keep them under control. Moses was born as a boy during this time. Well, his mom and dad don't accept that. They put him in a basket and put him in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter finds him, one of the princesses of the nation, find him and take him home and raise him. You guys know that first, you know, he was raised a little bit by his own mom, and then he went and stayed with this Egyptian and was trained as if he was Egyptian royalty. He learned what they learned. He was taught what they were taught. So writing, reading, and arithmetic, right, all those things, fighting, speaking. He was taught military strategy, I'm sure. Those different types of things that an Israelite slave would have never been taught. Moses got to learn all of that. For the first 40 years of his life, he spent among the Egyptians. He, he spent as an Egyptian prince. But then when he grew up and he, he got old, older, he realized that his place was with his people. It didn't matter what it was going to cost him. That's where he wanted to be. And so he'd been trained. He'd been, you know, he'd been learned, if you want to say it that way. He'd been taught. He, he was in good shape, physically speaking, emotionally speaking. Like he, he's in a good place. He wants to serve the Lord. He wants to help his people out. And so one day he's out walking around, and as he's walking around, he sees an Egyptian mistreating a, a Hebrew slave, a, an Israelite slave. And so he goes over and he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand. He's like, you're not going to treat my people that way. And we, we learn from the book of Acts that when he was doing this, he was expecting the people to rise up with him and they were going to have a revolution. Viva la revolution, right? I mean, they're, they're about to take over. They're about to, to win this thing. That's what Moses thought. But that's not what happened. In fact, they mocked him. They laughed at him. He's like, no, you're not our boss. He's like, come on. They're like, nope. We, we don't want any part in what you're trying to do. And so Moses, who'd been trained for 40 years and had lived as an Egyptian prince for 40 years, thought he was in a place that he could rescue Israel. But he failed. And he failed miserably. And so he runs away and hides in the wilderness for another 40 years as a shepherd. Uh, he goes and he finds a wife and he's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And he's walking around and he, he's taking care of his sheep one day. And that's where we read that in verse 2 where it says that he was walking by and he saw a bush that was burning, but it wasn't burned up. And so he turned aside to check out this sight that he saw. 
He, he turned aside to see uh, that, uh, what, what's going on here. And so this got his attention. And so he, he went over and, and God begins to speak to Moses. And God says to Moses, don't come any closer. Take your sands off because the place where you're standing is holy ground. In fact, in verse 6, he says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. You see, Moses, after he had learned what it means to fail, no matter how prepared he was, he learned who God is. He's going to, he meets God, basically, at 80 years old. He meets God. God shows up and he begins to speak to Moses. Imagine that, coming home. Your wife says, hey, how'd it go today, sweetie? You know, how was your work day? Did you meet anybody interesting? Well, you know, there was this bush. <laughs> and it spoke to me and turned out to be God. Like, I mean, that's, that's an exciting day for a shepherd. But then look at verse, uh, verses 7 through 10. And here we're going to see where Moses finds himself in the deep end, where he finds himself uh, in... Uh, over his head. But bef- and so God's going to ask him to do something. But before he does, God teaches him about, a little bit about who he is. And so in verse 7, uh, we're going to see that God sees, God cares, and God hears. So verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And so Moses and the people of Israel may have thought that God was ignoring them. Remember, they're, they're being hurt. They're being persecuted for being God's people. Uh, the Egyptians don't like them. They're trying to hurt them. And so you can imagine them asking questions. God, what are you up to? God, where are you? Why, why are you not helping us? And so God shows up and He says to Moses, Moses, I see what you're going through. I see the pain. I've seen your affliction. I've seen the hurt that is in your life. I know about your sufferings. Because He knows about our suffering. He knows what you're going through. He hasn't lost you. He's not wondering where you are. He, he's not like, man, I, I don't know where they went. I don't know what happened to them. No, he knows exactly what's going on. He sees uh, your trouble. He sees your struggles. But not only does he see it, he cares. He cares for you. Uh, uh, Peter tells us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. But then we come to verse 8 and we see that not only does he see it, he cares enough to do something about it. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good, broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. So not only does God see and care, He's actually going to do something for His people. He says, I've come down. I want to deliver them. I'm going to give them a better place. I'm going to take them to the promised land, the land that He had promised to Abraham the land that he promised to Isaac and, the, and to Jacob, this land where they would dwell with God and God would be their God and uh, they would be his people. This is where Moses hears that God is going to take them. God's, God has given us a promise this morning to take care of us, to, to watch over us and to lead us from where we are to where he wants us to be. We get this picture of heaven. Jesus says something very similar in John 14 when he, when he says, you know, don't be worried, you know, I... I my peace I give to you, but, but before that, he, he says, uh, listen guys, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you I go to prepare a place for you? I go to give you a place in heaven, a paradise, a promised land. And so what Moses hears about the people of Israel is what we hear from Jesus. Yes, it's tough. 
Yes, it's hard. Yes, we struggle. Yes, we find ourselves in over our head. But God sees our struggles. He hears our struggles. He cares about our struggles. And He's provided for us a better tomorrow. And so uh, verse 9 says, And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Maybe the people of Israel thought that their prayers were bouncing off the ceiling. I don't know if you've ever been there before, but you keep talking to God. You're like, God, where are you? Why haven't you said anything? Like, I'm waiting on you to do something. It's been 400 years now. Why are we still in Egypt? They may have been asking that. Moses may have been asking that. He had prepared for 40 years and failed, and now he'd spent another 40 years in the wilderness on the backside of nowhere, learning how to tend sheep. God, where are you? Are you listening? And so God shows up and he says, Moses, I see what you're going through. I hear your cry for help, and I'm about to do something because I do care. This sounds good, right? You're finally going to do something, Lord. That's amazing. That's wonderful. But then we come to verse 10, and we see where Moses goes to touch, and he goes under. Verse 10, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And so you can picture Moses up to this point saying, Okay, 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 you're finally going to help us. You're finally going to do something. And God says, That's right, I'm finally going to do something, Moses, and I'm going to send you to Pharaoh. Oh, wait a minute. So now I've got to go back to the place that I had to run away from because I killed a guy and because I had my best shot and I, and I failed and, and everybody saw me fail. And now I've got to go back and face the fact that I failed in front of everyone. I've got to go back and face the fact that I've messed up. I've got to go back to those people who rejected me. That's where God's about to send Moses back to. does not sound like the, the best day in Moses' life, does it? Went from being a really good morning, a good time, to all of a sudden, ooh, Wait a minute, I, I thought you were going to do something. I just didn't know you wanted to use me to do it. You ever been there? God, you need to do something. You need to help these people. You need to do that. But don't send me. Don't have me tell them. Don't have me share with them. And so God says, I'm going to send you. And so as he does this, Moses, remember, he's 80 years old. Uh, he's already failed. And uh, he is removed from the people, right? It's been 40 years since he's been home. Imagine going home after 40 years. And so he begins to give excuses. In verse 11, the first excuse he gives is, I'm not important enough. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Do you hear what Moses is saying? God, I think you got the wrong number. Nobody even knows who I am anymore. They probably don't even remember my name. I'm kind of tired. I think I would like to retire. I mean, I'm, I'm happy out here. I've got a good life. I've got a good wife. I've got a good job. I've got security. Surely you don't want me to go back to Egypt. I mean, who am I? They're not even going to give me an audience. I'm just Moses. And so, so you can imagine his thought process. That'd be a lot like ours sometimes, isn't it? You want to use me? Don't you know who I am? Don't you know how unimportant I am, God? Don't you know how unqualified I am? And so his first excuse is, I'm not important enough, but God gives the answer. I'll be with you. Look at verse 12. He said, but I will be with you. And this shall be the sign for you that I've sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So God says to Moses, it's not about you, Moses. It's not important how important you are. What's important is who's going with you. And who's going with you, Moses? That'd be the God of your fathers. This would be the one true God. He's going with you. He's going to take care of you. He's going to keep you safe. He's the one 
who's going to uh, give you power to stand in front of Pharaoh. Sort of like when you go to touch uh, and you go under and you yell for your dad and he's right there within arm's reach to pull you back to him. So, so God says, listen, Moses, I got you. I will hold you up. I will strengthen you because it's not about you. It's about me. And so God, God says to Moses, I will help you. And then he has another excuse in verse 13. Then Moses said to God, uh, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And so a second excuse is this. I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I don't know the Bible well enough. I can't even tell you how to find Malachi, right? I mean, you you know what I mean? Uh, I I haven't studied enough Scripture to be able to tell anybody else about the Lord. I haven't studied enough Scripture to be able to explain the Gospel. What if somebody asks me a question I can't answer? We, I don't know about y'all, but in Sunday school we're in Revelation. That's fun, right? Trying to figure these things out and walk, walk through these things. Sometimes the Bible can be intimidating. It's hard sometimes when we want to say, I don't know enough. I've not been trained enough. That's what Moses is saying to God. I don't, I don't know what to tell them. How am I going to answer them when they ask me who sent me? And I say, I, you know, it's the God of your fathers. Well, what next, Lord? What, what, what if they continue to question me? And so God's answer to I don't know enough is knowing God is enough. Look at verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now that may sound like a weird answer, but what God does here is he tells Moses who he truly is. He tells Moses his very essence. This name of God is the the name we'll see throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Yahweh, we'll we'll see this over and over again. If you were to read through the Old Testament, it's the idea, the basic idea behind it is the Hebrew word or the Hebrew verb to be, to exist. God says to Moses, my name is Yahweh. I exist. Now, so, so just so you understand, the illustration has already been given. Remember, Moses is standing there talking to a bush that's on fire. The only thing is, is the bush isn't on fire. The fire just happens to be sitting on the bush. The, the, the fire doesn't need the bush to burn. The bush is just there. See, the fire's not dependent on the bush. The, the, the fire exists all on its own. And so the picture that God is giving to Moses is the picture of his name. Moses, I'm self-sufficient. I simply exist. There, I don't need anything or anyone. I, I don't need fuel to keep this fire burning. Is what God is saying. I don't need anything to keep me going, Moses, because I am 100% self-sufficient, and I'm sufficient for anything that you may face. God is saying to Moses, I am able to do whatever for whoever, however. He's saying that there's no way to define me. You can't nail God down by his name because he is beyond our comprehension. He is beyond our understanding. And so he says, if you go back and you start trying to explain people exactly who I am, you're just going to be stuck. I mean, I exist, Moses. I am that I am. Tell them that. I am that I am sent me. And so his answer is, is, you know me. And then also verse 15, God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations 
So God says to Moses to tell them what God has already told Moses. I'm the God of your fathers. I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's what God has already told him. He's already given him his answer. Moses just wasn't listening the first time. He's to repeat what he already knows. He's to repeat the story of who God is, that he's the God of the living, not the dead. He's the God who is eternal and forever lasting. He's not going anywhere. He's always existed and always will exist. He's the God who is faithful, who gave these promises and will fulfill these promises. And so he says, tell the people of Israel the good news that I am coming, that I am bringing, and I'm going to save them. Tell them that I'm going to take them into this land that I promised to give to their fathers and that they will finally possess it. Tell them that I am going to save them. Tell them the gospel, basically. And then at the end of verse 18, he says, they'll listen to you. Tell them these things and he'll listen. they'll listen to you. I'm coming to save them. And so God's answer to Moses' excuse of I don't know enough is, yeah, you do. You know God and that's good enough. You know who I am. You know, God says to him, you know who I am. You know the story of your people. You know the good news that I have given you. You know that I am sufficient to do whatever I promise to do. That's what God is saying to him. He's saying, listen, Moses, you know how faithful I am. You know that you can rely on me. Tell that to the people you're going to talk to. Guys, it's the same thing that we have. It's the same answer that we have when when we say, God, I don't know enough. I don't understand enough. He says, tell them who I am. Tell them what I've done for you. Share with them your story of grace. Share with them your story, your testimony of what God has done in your life and how He has redeemed you. Guys, you don't have to be a theologian to share the gospel. In fact, it's probably better if you're not a lot of times. A lot of times theologians mess things up and confuse things. It's a simple... <laughs> my wife this morning had a very good point. Jesus loves me, this I know. I mean, like, that's the deepest truth we can get to. And he has the whole world in his hands. Like that, that is it. If they have any other questions, I know what your answer is. Go talk to the preacher. And I'm going to tell them the same thing. There's some things about God that we cannot explain. You know why? Because he's God. If we could explain everything there is to explain about him, he wouldn't be. If we could give finite answers to explain our infinite God, he would not be infinite. He is infinite in every way. And so we we can explain everything. We can understand everything. We simply trust him. We simply believe he knows better than we do. There are certain places where we have to stop and say, I don't know, I don't get it, and I'm just going to trust him. Guys, there are times in our lives where we come to places where things are, are going hard and things are tough and we don't understand why God would allow this and we don't really have any good answers to explain these things. And, and we just have to say God is sufficient. God is good. God is holy. God is faithful to His promise. And I'm going to trust Him. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But that's okay because He does. And that's what it means to just depend on Him to realize we can't do it. We can't do it on our own. And so, so Moses' excuse of I don't know enough, God's answer is, is, yeah, but I am enough. Then look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Because he's not done giving excuses. He, he just keeps on throwing them out there. Moses answered, but behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord did not appear to you. They won't listen, God. Your plan won't work, God. Why is Moses saying that? Because he's tried it before. He tried to get them to follow him before, and they rejected him. This is sometimes our favorite excuse, isn't it? We tried that before and it didn't work. 
Or we've never done it that way. One of those two things. That's our, our excuse for not doing what God has called us to do. And we'll, we'll allow the, the past to paralyze us right now to where we won't serve Him. Because it, it's important for us that we don't allow past failures to prevent us from serving the Lord now in the present and into the future. We have to trust Him. We have to depend on Him. We, we have to obey Him. And so, of course, there's going to be failures in our past. But that doesn't mean God can't use our past to strengthen us. And so God gives His answer in verse 2. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. And so right here, we see our new evangelism strategy. We're going to start snake handling next week, and y'all, y'all see who has real faith, right? I don't, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not serious. <laughs> but, but anyway, that, I mean, that, that's what God does for Moses. He says, listen, I am powerful, I'm strong, and I will show you I'm powerful and I'm strong, and you can show these people that I have sent you based on these signs. You, you can show these people that I've sent you based on what, that, the power that I've given you. And so trust on God's power is His answer. Trust His power. Don't trust in yourself. Don't trust in your ability. Trust in Him. Don't depend on Him. Don't keep hiding behind where you failed in the past. Guys, the best way to get over your fear in the past is to trust God's power to change your future. And so, so we see that, and then he has another excuse. <clears throat> Verse 10, But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. He says, God, I don't have the skills. I'm not a man of a specific skill set, right? I'm, I don't have that ability. I don't have that ability to stand up and talk to people. I get nervous, and I kind of stutter, and I, I talk real slow. I, I'm very limited in my abilities, Lord. And sometimes that's our excuse for not serving the Lord, isn't it? I don't, I don't have the ability to do so. And so God's answer in verse 11, Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. And so what God's answer is to I can't and I'm not able is I made you. (laughs) I can do whatever I want with you. If I call you to do something, I will get you through it. God is saying to us, you you guys know the the cliche, right? He doesn't uh, call the equipped, he equips the call. Just because you can't doesn't mean he can't. Don't put your limitations on God. You trust him. You don't think you can get through the situation you're in. You can't apart from him. I, I was, uh, this past week, we, we, we had a funeral of a, of a guy that, you know, I really looked up to growing up, but uh, he was, I think, 42 years old before he came to know the Lord. And, and when he came to know the Lord, he couldn't read. But he taught himself how to read just so he could read the Bible. I just wonder what excuses we use so often. Say, well, God, I can't serve you. I can't obey you. I can't do what you've called me to do. Look at all these limitations I have. Look at all these areas where I'm not able to. And God says, no, you don't understand. I made you and I can remake you. I can mold you into who I want you to be. If you'll simply trust him and depend on him. And so Moses' excuses is, I'm not able. God's answer is, is, I am. I am able. I made you and I can remake you. Then in verse 13, 
The final excuse that Moses gives. It's not really even an excuse anymore. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Here I am, send someone else. Unlike Isaiah, who, here I am, send me. His basic excuse is, I don't want to. I just don't want to. You guys know what I'm talking about when you tell your kids to do something. But, Mom, I don't want to. They can come up with all these excuses they want to come down to, but the honest truth is he just didn't want to. He didn't want to do it. He did, and, and you guys know this. We, we do what we want and we make excuses for everything else. We, we're going to do what we want to do and we're going to make an excuse for everything we don't want to do. The book of Proverbs talks about this. He says, it says that the lazy man lies on his couch and he says, I will go out and do something, but there's a line in the street. What if I get hurt? What if, and he comes up with all these crazy excuses so that they, don't have, they can feel good about not doing what they're supposed to be doing. That's true for us, isn't it? We make time for the things we want to do, but not always time for the Lord. We can, make, we can make sacrifices for the things we really care about, but not always to serve the Lord. I, I just wonder if, if you don't make that same excuse. Like if, if a lot of the excuses that you come up with for not serving the Lord and feeling like you're in over your head aren't really the, the problem. The problem is, is you just don't really want to. I know I struggle with that. At the end of the day, it's just sometimes I don't want to. And I think if we're honest and we admit that, then we can actually deal with it. But, but God's response to Moses, his response to I don't want to, is his anger was kindled against him. The first part of verse 14 here says, and God's anger was kindled against Moses. God, God doesn't get upset with Moses. He doesn't get upset with us over our limitations. He gets upset when we want to waste his gifts that he's given us to serve others. He gets upset and he, it says that his anger is kindled, not because Moses isn't a good speaker or because he has all these fears and things and doubts. It's because he refuses to do what God called him to do. Guys, are you wasting the things God has given you this morning? Or are you using them for his glory? He, he's not going to hammer you and, and, and you know, hit you upside the head because you fail. He's, he, he will get frustrated with you, though, and he will chastise you if you refuse to serve him if you refuse to use what he has given you, to say yes to that class, to say yes to taking that risk, to step out and follow him, to, to say yes to, to serving him in that way he's been calling you to serve him. You've been ducking his calls lately as he calls you to do things and says, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. Have you been saying, eh, maybe next year, God. Maybe next week, God. Maybe, maybe tomorrow, but not today. I don't want to. If that's you, can I ask you to repent? Ask you to stop fighting and say, Lord, I've been afraid. I'll admit it. God, I, I didn't feel like I was able to. I didn't feel like I was uh, you know, properly equipped to. I felt like I was in over my head. I felt like I was drowning. I need your help. And you guess what he'll say? Okay, I'll help you. He actually sends Moses with Aaron, uh, his brother, and they do go to Egypt. And we'll, we'll probably look at some of that over the next couple of weeks. But they go and God rescues these people with this stubborn guy that we all look up to eventually. I mean, Moses didn't start off as Moses. He started off with a guy, as a guy who argued with God. So God got angry with him. Like, that's pretty stubborn, isn't it? I think we can take some hope in seeing how patient and kind and merciful God is with Moses right here. 
I mean, he's had 80 years to prepare to serve the Lord. And he's still saying, God, I, I don't know. I don't really think you have a good plan. I, I don't think I really want to follow you. I, I don't want to. But when he submits and he trusts the Lord, you know what happens? God forgives him and he uses him. The same thing is true in your life. Maybe you've been ducking him. Maybe you've not been listening. Maybe you've been ignoring him. I guarantee you this morning, if you'll say, Lord, I'm tired of running from you. I'm tired of, tired of not obeying you. I'm tired of not following you. you. Say, Lord, use me. Guess what? He'll use you. He'll forgive you, and he will use you in ways that you never thought possible. He will, he will use you to do things you never even thought you were able to do. If you'll simply trust him and obey him and follow him. And, and this morning, if you haven't trusted him, if you haven't obeyed him, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, if you've never said, Lord, I need you to save me, I'm going to ask you to do that as well. Lord, guys, if you would stand with us, and as you stand, I'm going to pray for us. Um, after I pray, we'll have a time of invitation. And this, this time of invitation, what it is, is it's a time for you to do business with the Lord. Maybe you need to do it right where you're sitting. Maybe you need to come down and pray at the altar. Come pray with me. But don't walk out of here today saying, God, I don't want to. Walk out of here saying, God, here am I. Send me. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the way that uh, you use your word to change us. God, I pray that you would speak to us today, God, that you would uh, change us and make us who you want us to be. Help us to be dependent on you and submit to you, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.